welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson, and thank you, the listeners. We've had a lot of great feedback uh, so far here in the first couple months of 2019, and and we pledge to you that we are going to keep it rolling. This is going to be the go-to podcast for all things golf and otherwise, but mostly just golf. Kyle Porter, how are you doing? (laughs) We just had Dabo Swinney for like 20 minutes before we hopped on here. So if people want our college football takes, maybe we can tack that on at the end or something. We'll call them the extra holes or the playoff holes. <laughs> and we'll I'll, I'll start hitting record a little bit earlier. And when we're sitting here talking about, um, you know, all sorts of bigger life issues and, and college football coaching, emotional intelligence, then, you know, maybe, maybe the listeners would be interested in that. But right now I, I think that we're a little concerned about Tiger Woods. How we are? Yeah, like what's is is this a it, on a scale of one to five siren emojis? How alarmed should I be about Tiger Woods not playing uh, this week, dealing with a neck strain as he tries to get ready for the players? I think I'm like a four out of five. Yeah, and and here's why. So uh, I think a lot of people that ha- like have voiced their opinions on this or have talked about it are like a are like a two maybe. Okay. Maybe a three. The the reason that I'm a four is because I think that I think that Tiger knows that any WD that he has before well at any point is going to be a huge deal. And especially at Bay Hill, and especially right before the players, and six weeks before the Masters, and and I just like I, I think the counter argument is like he just wants to be ready for Augusta, and it's like, well, I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's it's the whole thing is is weird. It's like what, and and I feel like you know if you look at the history of this, like remember when he so the I think the last WD he had. And I know this was a little different because he was he had actually played in the first round was was in Dubai. What was that? Th- uh, two two years ago, seventeen. I think that's right. And do you remember what was said then? Oh, it's, it's just back spasms. He'll right. be back. He'll be fine. He'll play. And it wasn't just just back spasms. <laughs> He's like out for eleven months. Right. Right. Like right, right. Yeah. And it was not fine but, at all. Not okay whatsoever. Yeah, and so it's like, well, I've got a, I got a neck strain. It's like, okay, well, what does that actually mean, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I just, I, I don't know. And and the weird, the weird part about all this is like he's hitting these, you know, helicopter shots over his head in in Mexico, just just torquing his body as much as possible, and it doesn't seem to affect him at all. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I'm out for Bay Hill. It's just, it feels like there's something more there and and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's me just wanting there to be a story there, but I, I I think he's, I don't think he's going to play the players. I really don't. And I know a lot of people have said like, oh, he just wants to be ready for the players. I, I, and I could be totally wrong. I have, I have no idea. I'm just, these are all guesses, but I'm just, I'll, I'll predict right now that he does not play the players championship. I don't know if the players right now is something that Tiger Wood that makes or breaks Tiger Woods um, motivations for whether or not to push himself if he doesn't feel 100%. I don't know if well, at this point in his career uh, the players is is something that is going to be a driving force for him to 
to get right because I got to be there anywhere. I mean, Augusta, a little bit of a different animal, but I'll even drop it to saying the majors in general. And I'm sure we're going to have all kind of players, majors jokes coming up in the coming weeks. But like if you're Tiger Woods and you're looking at the calendar, um, like that's, that is an easier skip to me in, in the eyes of Tiger Woods than it is for most players. Yeah. It, yeah, but it is, it is a big deal. Like it's a, it's a thing and he gets that he knows it. He's won it. it, it it's, it's not, it's not nothing. And I just think that, I mean, I think that to me it, this week is, is there are a lot of alarm, there are a lot of siren emojis, but if he misses next week, it's like, you know, all hands on deck. Like this is, this is it. And, and the thing, the thing that, and, and I talked about this with, um, on CBS sports HQ, which you should always be watching on Monday or on, yeah, on Monday, whenever the news came out, this sucks because now we have to talk. Now we have to talk about this again, right? Like before we we're talking about his strokes gain putting, what's his schedule going to look like? Uh, you know, what's his, you know, what's his proximity to the hole from the right rough, like just stuff that's like, purely golf stuff and now it's like what's his spine angle uh, you know is it is it missile you know all this garbage that a i know nothing about and b i don't particularly care about but this this is what all the questions that we get are going to be all the questions that players get are going to be all the questions that he gets are going to be for at least the next month and, and leading up to Augusta. And I, I hate that because we had just fallen into this routine of it being about the golf and being about how he's playing. And now all of a sudden it's not again. Is it unfair for, and I'll, I'll give you more expertise in that, in this than me. Is it, is it fair for us to be looking at um, highlights of Tiger Woods playing and of his swing and of his helicopter swings and, and into offer some kind of criticism or point to it as cause for the effect that has now become a neck strain because I have almost started to doubt and double back on some of my second guessing of Tiger as we have continued to explore and I've continued to remember what an insane um, swing nerd he is and that that it is impossible for me even if I was standing with, maybe if I was standing with him at the range, but impossible for me for sure from home to be able to levy these accusations that something that he is or isn't doing in his swing might be leading to what is ultimately just a a muscle strain. Again, Kyle has his conspiracy tinfoil hat on. He's saying that you don't even know what Deep State is saying about Tiger's injuries. But uh, it's like... I, I think that I've gone back to that. And I've I've done this with not only Tiger Woods, but other golfers, but especially with Tiger Woods. He just knows so much more about the mechanics of a swing than I would ever know that it, it makes it difficult for me to go back and do that thing that we end up doing on radio hits and CBS Sports HQ where they're like, well, I mean, look at him swing. No wonder he's hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he... I go back to the swing at, at the open last year on number 10 on Sunday at Carnoustie when he hit it out of the bunker. You're like, well, if he, if his back was going to go, if his neck was going to go, it would have gone then. Do you remember that, oh, remember yeah. that swing he had? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that here's, here's what's interesting, Chip. We talked about this a lot at the end of last year. You know when he was – you know when he didn't get hurt? When he was, was lighter? 
Huh? When he was lighter? Yeah. Yeah. At the end of last year when he's not lifting, when he's not working. And then he, he gets so... And I, again, this is so much speculation, but he gets so into like building up my body and getting ready for the, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, oh, you got hurt again or you're injured or or whatever he is. And I just, I get freaking frustrated by that. Cause it's like you won the tour championship and you weren't lifting and everything's fine. And just, just, just do that, you know? And I, I, I don't know. I, and that may or may not have anything to do with it, but uh, and he's been playing well. I mean, I, 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 not to take anything away from that, but I do. I don't know. I, I I go back to that sometimes, and it's just like just stop being so concerned about that, and just be awesome at golf, and keep your body pliable, and be ready to go. Is it just because they were both superstars of their respective sports at the same time? that I'm so easily able to draw a connection between uh, the lunacy of Tiger Woods and Kobe Bryant when it comes to like their workout, their approach and, and just sort of the, the mental aspects of the game. No, no, I, I think, I think that's true. And I think whenever you, and I've made that comparison before. And I think that especially if you kind of chart their careers and the injuries and, you know, when they've been the best in the world and, and all that stuff. I think with both of them, there's a, there's a, I don't know if fear is the right word, but I'll say fear of getting out of the only routine that they've ever known. Right. And doing, and doing something different, trying something different. I think they're both, uh, fearful of that and fearful of what that looks like and may lead to. And, uh, you know, I, Again, the, I, I'm not there like when Tiger's working out or whatever. But I, I think I think. Hey, you ready? You, you right, if if I don't I don't know what uh I don't want I don't know what our guys' workout regimen is. I'm not there with them. But this is the most bold. This might be one of the most bold takes I offer on any platform of the week, and it is reckless. So prepare yourself. <laughs> Wait, do you have a take for me? If Tiger Woods had Charles Howell's workout routine, he'd win twice a year. (laughs) Chesson Hadley. Chesson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chesson Hadley. (laughs) If if Tiger Woods had Chesson Hadley's workout (laughs) regimen, he would have a slight nicotine addiction and two wins (laughs) per year. (laughs) Yeah, I just I I don't know. And again, we're we're going down a path that it's like is this I told you it was even, reckless. We need we need to pull even, ourselves out at some point. Yeah, is this even fruitful? But I, I think it, you know, he didn't get hurt last year when he when he you know, self-proclaimed he wasn't working out as much and didn't have his body in as good a shape. So, I don't know. Who knows? I I don't uh I don't want to go the Brandel Chambly route of like saying that, you know, well, Rory's in the gym too much or whatever, but uh, I, I do think it's I, I think it's worth mentioning. I think it's worth considering whenever we talk about some of this stuff. And uh, and and I will agree with your original sentiment. It was pretty awesome to get out of the asking if Tiger's healthy, which we did for what six months. What, like if you go from end of 2017 when he first sort of tried to come back, beginning of 2018. I just felt like we were all everyone, golf fans everywhere, were just playing armchair doctor, trying to yeah. trying to grade the recovery. It was very frustrating. Yeah, well, it was it was grading the 
you know, how does he look? And then it was grading. How's he playing through the lens of, of how's his back? And then it was, then it finally at the end of last year, it was just like, okay, how's he playing? Like, what's, does he have a chance to win all that stuff? And it, and it, and that became the new normal. And now it's just, it's erased. It's gone. Um, another, the course, the course is gone. <laughs> it's uh, another story that we addressed, but I think that we did a fairly good job of addressing it. Let me uh, pull my own. Let me give myself a neck strain as I pat myself on the back <laughs> for both of us. Uh, I thought that la- we we discussed Justin Thomas versus the USGA and and some of the battles over uh, the changing rules and the communication between the United States Golf Association and the players about how the rules are changed. But the story has not died. It has become uh, a real. Oh, it has become, as we pointed out in that podcast, it has become the the latest uh, war or the latest battleground between players and a, an association that considers itself a guardian of the game. Is that fair? Yeah, totally. And, I, I thought that was. I, I went back and listened to it. I usually, I usually don't listen back to what we talked about because I already heard it, but I did listen to that portion of it. And I thought that you presented that um, kind of thesis very well. And, and I think that's what you're seeing right now. So the there is a lot... I've seen from the columnist, opinionator point of view, a lot of finger wagging. Uh, learn the rules and learn the new rules and just go out there and play. Ernie L. It's so it's so easy to take a side, right? Oh, it's so easy to take a side. I do, I don't have um I don't have a strong side either way. I'm enjoying the theater, and as I told our friend uh, Adam Gold over text this week, I said, um, you know, in general, my rule of thumb is that I'm just playing house rules, you know. But I'm I'm a very average. I'm a very, very average or below average, very normal, regular golfer who's not out here often playing in tournaments. But when the tournaments are set up, you tell me what the rules are. I will play by those rules and I won't complain. Yeah, that's that's kind of I mean, where do you do you have a strong one side or the other on this? Because you said it's so easy to pick a side. Well, I yeah, I think it's I think it's easy for like the you know, the older sports writer that we all like to like make fun of and say, you know, wh- whatever about, uh, it, it's just easy to, for them to like, you know, cozy on up to the USGA and be like, figure it out. You know, that's shouldn't be that hard. Golf's been around for 600 years, you know? And I don't know if that's the right answer. I, I just feel like this is one of the, and, and there's, you know, maybe every argument in golf, you have that opportunity to do that, but this one just seems pretty easy. As in, you're on the side of the old sports writers. Oh, I, I wasn't giving my opinion. I yeah, was just I want your easy, opinion. It's easy for them to do that. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel, I feel very conflicted about all of this. Um, and and I, I, I fired off a few tweets after our podcast on Monday, and I, I, I just. Let me pull them up because I don't want to kind of go against what I was saying then. But I, I think that um, I think that the players don't. I I don't want to say they're wrong. I just think that they I I and I've thought I think this at every every time the U.S. Open comes around, it's like oh uh, the USGA stinks, and it's just like it's just like a phrase that gets said or a thing that gets thought. 
and nobody actually like thinks about what it means or why they even think that they're just like that's very common in sports yeah totally and it's just like they're just a punching bag you know Oh, Sean Um, Miller can't make it to the Final Four. Tony Bennett can't make it to the Final Four. Roy Williams doesn't use his timeouts. Uh, You know, Kentucky cheats. Oh, wait, that one, actually. uh, (laughs) So I said players aren't used to anyone in their lives representing anything that is bigger or more powerful than they are, which is the USGA. And I said the USGA isn't used to so many people being, uh, being better positioned than them to take the game into the future. So here we are. We're at a we're at this standstill, and I think that, you know, I think the thing that is kind of evolved out of it, and you, you've seen a lot of people talking about it recently, is is bifurcation, different rules for the PGA Tour than for you, the below average amateur who's just you know playing on the weekends. And I have I have conflicting thoughts about that too. Like you don't see, I mean. We, we, our rules in the NBA and, and rules for like basketball for you, like if we went and played a basketball game, is, is there bifurcation there? Like aren't the rules just the, I, I guess there is because you get six fouls in an NBA game. Five fouls and, in uh, college, halves versus quarters, stricter yeah, 24 hand. second shot clock. Yeah. I, I guess there is. I guess there is. Yeah, there's, it's, there's absolutely a precedent for that. Like I... I think that it would have much more of a like if you're going to create gimmicks around the FedEx Cup playoffs and the Tour Championship, then to to change the rules to me, like it's if if that's one of the places where this ends, if this if an actual end point is that there's some kind of splitting of the five families, then I'm I'm not going to be panicky. I'm only going to believe that it is political and probably leads to some bad blood behind the scenes, but you ask golf fans to sort of change our viewing expectations and habits from sometimes from tournament to tournament. And because of that, having slight adjustments to rules, which for an average golf fan, either at the course or watching from home probably is minor. Well, I I think, I think where this gets messy is I think you, you, you look at the top of the PGA tour with Jay Monahan and you know, all the other people that are in charge of that, uh, organization and it's like okay well they they view it as like man if we do this like where is this going to lead like the players certainly have power you know they are the PGA tour are they going to demand like a 3000 yard course so that they can shoot 50 under like 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 where and, and I get that that's different cuz that's set up and they're already in charge of setup or whatever but I just I feel like it's a slippery slope of like you're you're breaking. It's almost good that an that an outside body governs the way that the game is played because otherwise you're just you're sort of at the mercy of your of your players, right? I, I don't know. Maybe I, I guess that's not how it works in other sports. It just golf feels different for for whatever reason, and I think it's because the rules are so integral to the game. Like we're not breaking down. I guess we do break down like the three point line and the, you know how, how do playoffs work in the NFL. Those, I guess those those are things that matters. But it's just, these seems like so, these seem like such minute arguments within golf, and it's like who who cares about this? But apparently everybody, you know. And, and I sort of I don't know. I just I I I guess I fall more on the side of it. It shouldn't. It shouldn't like again. I go back to the dropping the ball from your knee. Like it's it's not that hard. 
Like it's it's not that difficult. And I loved and I mentioned this on Monday. I loved what Ernie Els said about like the USGA should not and is not out here to make friends. They're out here to make the rules for this game, you know? And as professionals, we have to figure that out. Now, it, there is such a chasm between Ernie rounds oh, sorry. and do what? No, go ahead. There's such a chasm between like us playing as amateurs and those guys playing in PGA Tour events. And I think that, you know, we don't, we don't have caddies. We don't have or we don't usually have caddies. We don't have all the, all the things that go along with, um, with a PJ tour event. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if you can make like amendments to rules, like within a PJ tour event. I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's a mess. I mean, it is, it is truly a mess, but I, I do, um, I don't know. I, I kind of like, uh, where the, I, I guess I kind of stand on the on the side of the USGA in, in all of this. Uh, did you read Bamberger's piece for golf.com? Yeah, yeah. Um, his, his call to arms for golf stars to be better felt a little aggressive. Um, but what? But it did made me reassess how I felt about Ricky Fowler assing it up. Yeah, I, I didn't love that. I didn't think it was great. I mean, it was funny. But it's like, okay, what do we, what are we, and, and you know, the thing that, the thing that like all those guys were quoted on, Billy Horschel, Fowler, oh, well, this doesn't look cool and we want, we want the game to look cool. And it's like, what the hell? What are we talking about? Like, what does that even, what does that mean? Well, and Bamberger, the other thing I was going to bring up from the Bamberger piece is one of the things that makes it so tough for, um, relatability, at least in, in my own personal case, and I'm sure many others, is that uh, he he said something along the lines of like yeah when your average um, you know golf fan goes out and is playing golf there there's never um, it first of all never any incentive but never really any put into practice of like tallying up all of these extra strokes like if if you hit it out of bounds you take your penalty <laughs> stroke and you throw a ball on the ground and you hit like yeah. it is yeah you you hit it. Um, what was like where it went out like there's we there's just such a oversimplified idea of penalties and the headaches whether it is uh tiger woods in 2013 whether it is dustin johnson in 2016 with rory McIlroy adding the usga while the ball's in the air like it, it or you know ricky fowler like there's there are all these uh all of these strokes and, and the combination of strokes and the extra penalties like those I can understand why those are frustrating because we as amateurs have totally eliminated them from the amateur game. Well, and, and Jeff Shackelford linked to this. I, I had forgotten that this uh, had happened, but I guess like four, three or four years ago, golf golf channel put out a, a like a piece or like a, a thing on here. Are the, here, here's the Uber simplified rules for amateurs. There's seven rules. This is it. And it was like, uh, if you hit a ball out of bounds, drop it somewhere close to where it went and, and keep playing. And uh, you can have as many clubs in your bag as you want. There, there were only seven of these. And I thought it was awesome because it's like, we don't, you and I don't need to be like breaking down rule 14A3B while we're trying to shoot 94 at our, you know, when we're on vacation together or whatever. Like that's a, that's, that's a asinine. But the problem, Chip, is that there's different, there's different levels 
of competitive golf in a way that I'm not sure there is in other sports. So there's you and I going out and playing, and then there's this very competitive amateur circuit, which the USGA obviously has a, has a big hand in. And then there's minor league professional golf. And then there's the PGA tour, which I mean, in so many ways is, is even different than, than the web.com because you have, um, you know, you have more people, the grass is trampled down at, at events in a way that it's not at the web.com. You have more stands set up that people can use as backboards. Like these are the things that I think people don't think about when they talk about these differing levels of competitive golf. And, and it's so, it's so difficult and it's such a mess to try to figure it all out. And I saw an article, I think it was golf digest by, uh, by Brian Wacker and, uh, Webb Simpson was quoted in it as saying like, we need to have our own rules on the PGA tour. And he said, and if, <laughs> I mean, if Webb Simpson is saying that, like that's, you know, he, he's not like, that's a, that's a real stance from a lot of players. I think, I guess is what I'm saying. And, uh, I don't, I don't know that I like, while I'm on the USGA side and kind of this whole, the, you know, kerfuffle over the last three or four days, I don't know that he's wrong about that. And what he, what he said next was interesting. He said 98% of it is going to be the exact same. And that's sort of what we, what we're just talking about with the NBA, right? Like 98% of the rules in the NBA are the exact same as like high school basketball, or if you and I were playing in a competitive league, but there are a couple of things, six fouls, uh, that that's an, that's an entertainment, uh, rule, right? Like you don't want your stars to foul out earlier. Right. So you have all these rules that are built in for the entertainment of the game that I think could, could benefit the PGA tour. So as, as we're talking about this, I'm sort of talking myself into, cause I don't, I don't think these guys are out there saying, oh, I just, you know, this game's too hard. I want it to be easier. I, I think they're, I think they are in favor of, and a proponent of, the uh, viability and the um, legitimacy, what, what's the word I'm looking for here, of, of golf at the highest level. Like I, I think they respect the game a ton, all of them, most of them, almost all of them. Uh, I, just, I just think they get, uh, one, I think, they, I think the USGA gets a bad rap from a lot of them a lot of times for a lot of stuff that isn't the USGA's fault. And two, I think they, they see some things as asinine and that, that need to change and that they – uh, if they were, if the PJ tour was making its own rules, they could just say, Hey, this needs to change and it would change in, so, the, in the same way that the NCAA rolls out new rules ideas in the NIT. We'll just let them do it at the Valspar. <laughs> they should do it at the players. <laughs> oh yeah. Th- there you go. The crown jewel. You get to play like we're, we are suspending the USGA rules for the first run with the PJ tour rules. And if, anyone can tell the difference. It'll be a fascinating social experiment. Yeah. I mean, it, but the, the problem is that you've got Monaghan releasing a, a, uh, a memo on Monday, like this thousand word memo that, that was kind of like, yeah, we, uh, we actually did have a lot of input in, <laughs> into these <laughs> rules with the USGA <laughs> and they listened to us and they've done basically everything we asked them to do. <laughs> and it's like, well then, why are all of your players losing their minds about it? The, I mean, it's the, it's cr- the whole thing is crazy. It's political. Like it, it is. It's, it's very political. It's so crazy. And, and I think that I don't mean uh, political as in like United States politics, by the way, I mean it in like the abstract applied to go- the golf world. But if, but seriously, if I'm Monaghan, do I want that on, on me? Do I want Justin Thomas pissed at me? Do I want, you know, all these guys tweeting about me? Like, 
if I'm him, I'm saying, yeah, let the USGA keep doing it. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a great answer. And as people have pointed out, like if you, if you make your own rules, what happens at the U S open? And this, 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 that's the pro this is the problem with the no govern, no true governing body is that at the four major championships, it's a different governing body every time. Right. And the, and the four major championships are all that a lot of people pay attention to. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mess, dude. If the USGA gets to have its, if, if the PGA tour splits off and the USGA is instituting its own rules for the U S open, then maybe it won't be as concerned with tricking up the course because getting through the rule book is going to be tough enough. I mean, what is what is the U what does the USGA do? I mean, like one of their primary things is like the governing body that makes the rules. Like, what I don't want to say, what do they do if if that gets taken away from them? But it, it just it certainly lessens their foothold in the golf world. Who is that? Who are are the only like the members technically the association in the United States Golf Association? What what do you mean? Like I always try to in college sports point fans to the idea that the NCAA is not a thing. Yes, Mark Emmert is uh, the figurehead of it. Yes, there is an an NCAA office in Indianapolis, and there are officers and employees that work there. They have a few departments, but the NCAA at its core is an association of member schools, which are represented mm. by their presidents, and so. There is belief that the NCAA is going to be able to make changes or twist and turn and be able to accomplish uh, all kinds of tasks in short order. But the fact is, because it is a massive association of university presidents and member schools, it is very, very difficult for there to be any kind of unifying uh, voice within the association. Yeah, that's a good distinction. I, I think this is more. I think USGA and and RNA are more centralized in that they they do have, like I I don't <clears throat> I think that the USGA on its own can sort of make decisions and do things. I think I think the decentralized body is more so the actually the PGA Tour and the European Tour in in that yes they have a ton of people working for the PGA Tour, uh, a lot of whom I'm friends with, and they have Jay Monahan and and all these all these people and departments and all this stuff. But the, the PGA tour is like Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler. Right. Right. So I, I think that's more of the decentralized body within golf. All right. We will speaking of Rory and Ricky after that topic, we were only going to hit for just a second. Um, we got <laughs> our expert picks, Arnold Palmer invitational at Bay Hill coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we're heading to Orlando. Um, Fun tournament. Good for big hitters. Uh, Good for proximity to the hole. What are our other sort of uh, Bay Hill, so the the things that as you're going through and looking at your expert picks that you, you try to think of in terms of identifying players that might be able to play well? I think long iron players. I mean, if you look at the past three winners, Jason Day, uh, Mark Leishman, and, and Rory, I mean, just awesome long iron players, right? Like from like 200 awesome. to 220, you're just dialed in. Yeah, well, even like 220 to like 250, 260, something, something like that. Um, so I think I think that's I think that's one thing. Uh, there's a there's a website chip called uh, Data Golf, and they do this really cool thing where they uh, they look at the historical event data, and they say, okay, they look at strokes gained putting, strokes gained around the green, strokes gained approach, and strokes gained off the tee, and say, how does the winner at this course compared to like an average uh, PGA tour winner in, in terms of like, where did you gain your most strokes? Like what's and the so, profile? What is the profile of an Arnold Palmer invitational winner? Yeah. And so like normally let's see here. Normally at a, at an average PGA tour event, the winner uh, gains 36% of their strokes on the green. So at the putter, but at this event, they only, they only do it at a th- or last year's winner was 31%. Hmm. So putting it, I think, is maybe less important at a place like this, and and getting from tee to green is more important. That's a that's a really cool site. People people should check out uh, if they're interested in very nerdy stuff like that. Um, but it's it's really good because it, it kind of gives you a, a better idea of just what the statistical profile of of guys who play well at, at different events is. So we've got uh, Rory McIlroy as the defending champ. He was what a uh, hundred putts in across four rounds last year. Yeah, I remember. I think it was Jake Nichols was talking about this. He was. It, it was. I think it was the best putting week of Rory's career. And he did this strokes game thing where he was like, if Rory gains this amount of strokes on the green or on the with the putter and doesn't win, then it's that's it's it's almost impossible for it to happen. Just at kind of his baseline level that he plays at from tee to green. Like it's almost impossible for him to putt like he did last year and not win. Uh, Justin Rose, who just got bumped from the number one spot by Dustin Johnson. Uh, shout out to being number one in the world. Is it overrated or underrated? We continue to change our minds by the week. <laughs> Ricky Fowler at number three. Uh, do, you, at, do you ever feel like you change your mind about like everything in, in sports? Yeah, absolutely. It's called evolution. Like a, I feel like, but I feel like I've gone, I feel like I changed my mind about this rules thing like a hundred times. Like even within the length of our conversation, I feel like I've changed my mind. Well, I ultimately like, and and I think that earlier, like, I don't care. Like, I really don't, I don't, I, (laughs) I, I don't care. And I, I navigate. Uh, the conversation, I synthesize, I try to pick up as much information as possible so that my opinions to advance the conversation are entertaining and informative, but I got a lot of things to care about and a gr- what I view as very, very small griping 
among professional golfers and those who guard the game. I just, I don't care. I really don't. And it's, you know, it has to hit, it has to hit local, right? And it's just, and it's so far away from me to, to care about it. I, I care in, in as not to, I don't, I don't want to go back to the rules, but I care in as much as it affects what I cover, you know, like if, if what I cover becomes like 20% just guys complaining about the fact that there's not bifurcation, then that, that makes me care. Ricky Fowler <laughs> and Brooks Kepka also in the field, Jason Day, Mark Leishman, Leishman, as you mentioned, Phil Mickelson's back, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, we haven't. What, where's Bryson been? Ah, just I don't know. Just working out some physics problems in California or something. Uh, who do you, trying, who, he's probably trying to solve, solve global warming. What are the? No way. That's that doesn't seem like his bag. What's uh? What what's your? <laughs> what's what is you know, uh? My, my favorite Bryson take that I've heard recently. I can't remember who said it. It might have been. I don't want to apply this to somebody because I, I don't it's it could be bad. But just the idea that Bryson's not actually that smart. Um I love that take. It I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree with it, but I think it's a phenomenal take. And he just play he just like plays this character. Right. Uh awesome take. <laughs> like, I mean uh, it's it's a little too like made for TV movie. What if the guy who's known for being smart wasn't smart? We should we get we get to see uh like accidentally uh a test gets graded in the like at, at a young age and he's told he's brilliant and he just fakes yeah. his way fake it till you make it all the way through. Well, here's my sort of spinoff on that take is that I think if you got into a conversation about just like the deepest nerdiest stuff on like the swing or the ball or ball flight or, or agronomy or whatever. I think, I think tiger would talk circles around Bryson. Mm. And I think, I think one of tiger's great skills is like being able to sort of, and he doesn't, I, I think he does this actually pretty well is like take that nerdiness and, and um, like explain it to the, to the average to me or to the average fan or whatever in a way that is, um, in a way that I can sort of, uh, I, I don't know, understand or consume in a way that makes sense. Sure. And Bryson, Bry- and, Br- yeah. and Bryson just refuses to do that. Right. And we talked about this the other day, like the ability to take something complex and simplify it to distill it is, it's a skill and he doesn't have it. No, 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 also um maintaining composure ain't real high <laughs> on the Bryson DeChambeau. Uh who what are the storylines we're looking for? What players are you, are you going to be following as we track the action? Yeah, uh I mean I I think off the top it's it's Rory and Ricky. I think you could argue that they're the two best players in the world right now. Mm. And I'm sa- I'm saying based on the last like 3 weeks right, or right, month right. of golf. Uh so yeah, that obviously Tiger not playing is a big storyline. Um, one storyline I'm following is Victor Hovland, Oklahoma State, playing this week as an amateur. Him and him and uh, Justin Su of USC are both in the field. They're both uh, pretty 
pretty legit college players. Um, so I think that's always fun to have guys like that in the field. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think Rory Ricky, obviously, uh, I think, I guess Rose, I, I think, I think Kepka, I wrote a piece on Kepka on Monday about he's getting a lot better at non majors. Like if you look at his finishes over the last four or five years in non, like I just took majors out of it. He's gotten progressively better. He had one. He had one kind of uh, step back in 2017 where he got a little bit worse. But other than that, I think I think three or f- three of the last four or four of the last five years, he's gotten his average finish at non majors has gotten better. While while his average finish at majors has basically stayed the same, which is very strange. Like I don't know of anybody else that has that statistical profile. Um, but I I think I mean, and he he almost said the other day like he. He said something like, um, you know, at non-majors, I think I should win all of them. So sometimes I get, I don't let stuff go as easily and I beat myself up. So he's basically saying I'm too good for non, for non-majors. I mean, he, he almost won the uh, Seminole Pro-Am with Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald might be a sandbagger, but uh, it's... It's that part is hilarious to me, and I think that I just think any event he enters, he's 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 a terror. I mean, he's just he's so freaking good, and so I think he's so good around the greens and with his putter that it it, it gets it gets a little bit underrated because he's just you know all biceps and neck, um, but he's got really good touch, and and I'm interested to see him, you know, in a week after he almost won the Honda Classic. Um. Brooks Kepka, I don't have this stat pulled up, but if I remember correctly, in majors, it's three wins, zero runner-ups. In non-majors, two wins, seven runners-up. Does he really have seven runners-up yes. in non-majors? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> it's stupid. It is. And it, and it, and it, it goes to show you like how... A couple of shots here and there can define the way that that we see guys. I mean, if he if he if he's like, a twelve time major win, I'm not made twelve. If he has twelve wins right now, we're losing our minds. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Or if he has zero majors, oh then he's like, you know, then he's Mister Can't Win. Yeah, and it's a couple of shots here and there. It's so crazy to me. Like that's the that's the thing I'll never get over covering this sport is how thin those margins are. So who is your pick to win? I got Jason Day, which I know you disagree with. Um, he quietly had a couple of top fives on the West Coast. He only played two events, finished top five in both of them, and uh, he won here three years ago. I think he gets he gets. We talk about everybody who gets lost. He gets really lost in like just the discussion. He's got like 11 wins on the PGA Tour, maybe 12. Yeah, but he's getting lost to me as like if hmm Jason Jason Day has a uh, a little a little bit of a like you're not from another era, you're not from another generation, but you definitely were in last chapter to me. And your character needs to your your character needs to show up in a more major way than being described in the periphery of the action. It's been he is he has continued to win, obviously, 
Did he win at Firestone last year? What? Uh, no, he won Tory and he won. Uh, what else did he win? He won. Oh, he won Quail Hollow. He won Wells Fargo last year. Why am I not? I don't know. I'm not giving him enough credit. He gets lost. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, to your point, here, here's your point, and I think it's a valid one. His best finish ever at the Masters was 2011, eight years ago. His best finish ever at the U.S. Open was 2013, five years ago. His best finish ever at the Open was 15, four years ago. His best finish ever at the PGA was when he won four years ago. So in terms of like the majors, he hasn't been, he hasn't played his best at those events over the last three years. Yeah. And his uh, only top 15 finish at Bay Hill in eight tries was his win in 2016. Mm, that's a good stat. I wish I would have known that before I picked him. <laughs> I'm all in on Tommy Fleetwood this week. I love it. Ball uh, striker. Ball striker, man. Just he, he fits the he fits the profile. And I think he's he's only played. This will be his third time playing. One of the times he finished T10 with a 78 early in the week. And the next time, I think he finished top 30 with a, a 76. I mean, and that's sort of been a little bit of the the Tommy Fleetwood play in these tournaments, right? Just to have one absurd number and then have your scoring average the rest of the week be between 68 and 69. So yeah. if, if, he'd limit, if he doesn't have the big number, I think Tommy Fleetwood can win. But I like him to have a high finish either way. Yeah, I like that. Um, remember when Bryson got vaporized last year? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Great times. Uh, by the way, uh, real quick before we go, I think I, you know who I'm going to pick next week for the players. Uh, Sergio. No, Ian Poulter. Wow. So so, uh, and I was just looking at. I had him in my top ten this week. Rob Bolton, PJTour.com, writes a really good column every week about um, kind of power ranking the guys. He's got four straight top sixes worldwide, including Mexico. And he's played well with the players before. I really want to pick him next week. Four straight top sixes. That's like, that's like what Rory's done. But he he doesn't get this. He doesn't get the same pub for whatever reason. Oh, because he's Ian Poulter. Because we watch the golf. <laughs> I can I can look at the scoreboard and I can look at the scorecard and I can be impressed. But it's just more fun to watch Rory play. So T six Abu Dhabi, T three Dubai. T6, Saudi International, T3, Mexico. He was T3 in Mexico. He was like 28 behind DJ, but he was still T3. Not all T3s are made alike. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I remember, it, when, I, remember when I said this was going to be like a, a really short podcast? Yeah, it was an hour ago. You got me. You got me just fired up about this rule stuff. It's so funny. I mean, the, don't worry. It's either something that's, uh, it 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 just happens. We we did the same thing on the Cover Three College Football Podcast. We were like, all right, like Kyler's in the news. Like, let's just we'll we'll spend half the show just doing combine stuff, and and half the show, you know, we'll get into this other college football topic. Well, that college football topic. Uh, still has yet to be put out because we spent the whole damn hour talking draft stuff. <laughs> it's just once you get in, there's so many. And this is what happens is there's so many layers to some of these things that you can go down one one of the layers for like 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I've got six others that I could also talk about. Right. 
I think you, I think so. we did it. We're doing a we're doing a fine job navigating it, and we hope that you, the listener, are enjoying it. If so, uh, give us a review, a rating. Holler at us on Twitter. You can follow him at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>